Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Every weeknight, we unpack the latest developments in this historic political drama. Today, I'm joined by two insightful guests. In a few minutes, we'll be talking with CNN political commentator Karen Finney, a Democratic operative. But first, I'm joined by my colleague, CNN national security reporter Jeremy Herb. Jeremy, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So Nancy Pelosi made it official. Uh, She actually sent out a letter to all of her colleagues saying that she intends on transmitting the articles of impeachment. We've been waiting for this. We thought maybe it was going uh, to happen this week, but no, uh, she's holding out still a little bit more. But it seems to me by releasing this letter on a Friday, uh, she didn't want days and days more of coverage, sort of the drumbeat up until next week, whenever she finally does it. She wanted to make clear She's not holding them indefinitely. What do you what do you make of this letter? Yeah, that's right. This was kind of the logical conclusion to this week after we had a, a week, as you said, a week's worth of Pelosi saying, I'm waiting. She, you know, on Tuesday, she said she wanted to see the rules of the trial from Mitch McConnell before she actually sent this. He said he wouldn't do that. And now she's going to go forward whether or not McConnell puts anything out. I think there's a couple of things she didn't want to have her members have to go home and explain why were they holding this up. Uh, there was a risk, I think, for Democrats if they waited too long that this turned into looking overtly political. You know, Pelosi and Democrats had talked about how this was an urgent threat to the Constitution. That's why they pushed to impeach the president last month. And now, you know, if they were going to wait for weeks and weeks and weeks to try to enact concessions, does that make it look like it's just a political game? Now, I want to read uh, one portion of this letter. I won't read it word for word. I'll try to just hit the highlights of her four bullet points. It seems to me she also wants to make the public case for what has she's accomplished by holding them uh, from the impeachment vote back in December uh, till next week when she transmits them. Uh, she says here in her letter to her colleagues, quote, while the House was able to obtain compelling evidence of impeachable conduct, which is enough for removal, new information has emerged, which includes New emails that show 91 minutes after Trump's phone call with Zelensky, OMB aide uh, asked the Department of Defense to, quote, hold off on sending military aid to Ukraine. Uh, on December 29th, she writes, revelations emerged that uh, OMB director and acting chief of staff Mulvaney uh, and his role in the delay of aid. Uh, on January 2nd, she says, newly unredacted Pentagon emails Uh, which the House Democrats had subpoenaed and the president blocked, uh, raised concerns about Trump administration officials about the legality of the president's hold on the aid. And on January 6th, she writes, just this week, John Bolton announced that he would comply with the subpoena compelling his testimony. We should note that was a subpoena coming from the Senate that he was referring to, not not her domain in the House of Representatives. His lawyers have stated he has new relevant information. Is this I mean, her bullet points are true that these things happen, Jeremy. But um, if they had happened while the Senate rules were being negotiated, 
and a trial started or they happened in this sort of interregnum period, what does it matter? Well, yeah, and I think the the question now will be of what did Pelosi gain by having this delay happen? Um, And I think the the argument we've heard from Democrats on the Hill is that this John Bolton, you know, he put out a statement on Monday saying he was willing to testify in the Senate. Democrats have argued that that was Pelosi's doing, that by delaying this, it put pressure on McConnell and it, it forced the people to talk about just what was happening in the Senate trial. And that's why Bolton felt the need to put out this statement. The other developments, they probably were going to have happened anyway. And the trial, to be perfectly you know, clear, wasn't going to have started before now anyway. It was a question of, is it going to start next week? It might have started this week instead. Um, but in terms of Bolton and other witnesses, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Mitch McConnell, I don't think, has moved an inch as a result of what Pelosi did here. And so I think... You know, we'll see what happens when this trial progresses. But so far, you know, Pelosi did not use the leverage that Democrats said she had to get McConnell to change course at all. Now, the the news in this letter is when the speaker writes, I have asked Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler to be prepared to bring to the floor next week a resolution to appoint managers and transmit articles of impeachment to the Senate. I'll be consulting with you. She's talking to her Democratic House colleagues at our Tuesday House Democratic Caucus meeting on how we proceed further. So obviously we should expect no action until after that Tuesday meeting with the members. But can you walk us through the process here? So one resolution will appoint managers and then transmit the articles all at once. How how will this work? Does that have to go through committee first? Tell us how this works. Yes. So when the House passed the impeachment resolution, they set the stage for when they passed the articles of impeachment, I should say, they set the stage for this resolution to be passed. And they could have done it right then. And that was when this whole holding of the articles happened. Um, basically, what's going to happen is the Democrats will meet on Tuesday. Pelosi will walk through what's going to happen. And then potentially that night, although I think it could be Wednesday, uh, the House will take this vote and will say these will be the impeachment managers. And those are the, the lawmakers. They're going to be only House members who will prosecute the case in the Senate. It will appoint them and it will say we are transmitting the articles. And then physically, the managers will walk the articles from the House to the Senate. And that will kind of start the whole process of this trial that will then take place in the Senate. That may or may not have witnesses down the road, but certainly not at the outset. Uh, McConnell's made clear he's not really interested in witnesses, but he hasn't shut down the notion of witnesses being called, which raises the question about these uh, Republican senators in tough purple states up for re-election or some of the more um, moderate or retiring or Trump questioning senators like Amit Romney or Lamar Alexander. Has there been any momentum that you've seen from I know you've been up on the Hill and uh, do you see in Collins quotes or in Cory Gardner's quotes or anything? I know they're on board with the way McConnell's starting this, but is there an anticipation that they really might vote with the Democrats to call some witnesses eventually? I don't think there is at this point. Um, now, as you said, what they have said is there's been a lot of talk up there about the Clinton precedent, the big, the, you know, we have a whole lot of precedent with this. We don't. We've, we've done it twice <laughs> and once in the modern era. Impeachment's not one of those. Yeah. Th- presidential impeachment yeah. is not one of those things with tons of precedent. But both right. sides talk are talking about the precedent. They're fighting over who's actually following the Clinton precedent. precedent. Uh, Mitch McConnell has said he is following it because during the Clinton impeachment, they passed a resolution, 100 to nothing, on the rules of the trial. And then after the opening statements, after the senators got to ask questions through the chief justice, they then 
voted on witnesses and approved having depositions from three witnesses. So McConnell says he's filing, following that. What the Democrats say is McConnell's doing is setting the stage for them not to have any witnesses and to shut this down as quickly as they can, uh, because in that case, all these witnesses had already testified. Now we have Mick Mulvaney, we have John Bolton, and we haven't heard from them. So it will be a whole new ballgame if they do, in fact, testify. And now, they're critical witnesses with firsthand knowledge absolutely. of the underlying issues that are inherent in the articles of impeachment. It was John Bolton who said this is a drug deal to Fiona Hill. Well, we've heard it from Fiona Hill, but we would hear it firsthand. And that's the case that, that some Democrats made to me today is that, that why do we want to hear from John Bolton? Because he was the one who set, who called this a drug deal. And even if he's not going to be a bombshell witness, even having him on the record on that would be helpful. But I think, as you said, the key thing is these moderate and, and retiring and Trump critic senators and Romney in that case. You need four. Uh, it, so far, they have shown no indication that they're going to break from McConnell on the procedure. But Schumer is able to force votes on witnesses, on documents. And so they're going to have to vote against it if they're going to stay with McConnell. Uh, it's, I think it's still too soon to say whether that means that they break or not or find some kind of agreement. Maybe there's a new gang that comes together or something like that to try and... <laughs> An impeachment gang. It's, it's always possible. But at this point, they're sticking by McConnell. And my final question for you before we take a break is, do we have any tea leaf reading or any reporting or knowledge how many managers she may appoint and who they may be? We don't in terms of numbers. There were 13 in the Clinton impeachment trial. I'd be surprised if it's more than that. Uh, It might even be less than that. I think the only – Pelosi is keeping this very close to the vest. She kept – the when she was going to transmit the article, she's kept that to a very close group of advisors. She's doing the same with impeachment managers. And the people you would think that could be them, they say they don't know anything. Um, I think there are two safe bets that will be on that roster. One is House Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff, who obviously investigated, led the investigation. He prosecuted the case in the public hearings. And then House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler, who brought this over the finish line. The two of them will be on it. Who's after that is still an open question. Okay, Jeremy, let's pause right there. We're going to bring in political commentator Karen Finney for her perspective right after this quick break. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. Reporter Jeremy Herb is still with me. And we're now joined by CNN political commentator Karen Finney. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Great to be with you guys. Thank you. So we were just talking about uh, this Dear Colleague letter. That's uh, I guess that's nomenclature here in Washington, <laughs> a Dear Colleague letter. That's uh, right. A letter from Speaker Pelosi to her House Democratic Caucus, where she clearly indicates that next week, They are going to transmit the articles of impeachment. This waiting game is over. And I guess my question to you is assess how you think this went for her, this this waiting period. I know I've seen a lot of Democrats make the case. Well, now this whole narrative is about whether or not it's a fair trial or not. I mean – the, the trial was going to be what the trial is, is my take. But you tell me what you think of what she did here. So certainly, I think that is a that's a fair point. And look, in the beginning, I think it was important to and, and I've among the many who have said now that Mitch McConnell has basically, from my perspective, lied because admits he's going to lie when he signs. Because as you know, when you do impeachment, you have to sign. It is a totally separate um, pledge that you sign than went the oath of office that you take, and you are supposed to be impartial. And we are already know Mitch McConnell's not impartial. So he is the foreman of the jury and he's already, you know, cavorting with 
<laughs> the accused. So, Although, to be fair, we also know Elizabeth Warren is not impartial. We know that other senators uh, have said also they're voting absolutely to convict. Uh, That's true, although you've had a number of Republicans say, you know, during the process, and Democrats say, I'm going to wait for the trial to hear. Obviously, there are others who, I guess my point is, let's not pretend we're going to be impartial. Let's just not play that game, right? right? Uh, But what I think was wise about and what has worked for Pelosi in this strategy that uh, I think many uh, appreciate is, what have we been talking about for the last several weeks. We've been talking about will we or won't we be able to hear testimony? Will John Bolton come and testify? Will we be able to hear some of the people that we were not able to hear from, that the House was not able to hear from? And this question about documents. And over the holidays, as you know, we saw a couple of emails that became available or information that became available because of, frankly, uh, Freedom of Information Act requests uh, that showed us, gave us even more insight into what was really going on. The fact that it was 90 minutes after the time that the president made that call, that that everything was set in motion to hold the funds. So that tells us there's more in those documents. And so I think what it's done, and you've seen this in polling, Americans believe that the president should allow people to testify. And I don't think that's going to change once this process starts. So the Republicans start this process with the pressure of an American public, and let's remember a number of whom, a number of these members are up for election, no doubt their constituents will ask, why wouldn't you want to, why can't we hear from this person? Why wouldn't you want to see these documents? Shouldn't we get all the facts and the truth? So obviously, as we get to these questions about witnesses, uh, the key is going to be these moderate Republican senators like Susan Collins. And I wanted to just read you something that that she told Politico this week, which was going after Chuck Schumer uh, for the advertising in her state that's been launched against her. And what she said was, I don't think he's really very interested in doing anything but trying to defeat me by telling lies to the people of Maine. So I'm just kind of curious to get your sense of, of, of... the calculus here for Schumer and trying to, to convince these Democrats, but also the calculus for Collins, who is up for re-election and is going to be facing a difficult fight in November. She absolutely is. I mean, let's, you know, in addition to her vote for Kavanaugh, which created a real problem for her, Judge Kavanaugh, to the Supreme Court, this is problematic. And, you know, she has an electorate that is likely saying, well, why wouldn't you support witnesses coming forward. She's in one of those states where that it is, a, you know, in terms of her electorate, it's mixed in terms of the people who would be asking that question. A state that looks more like America overall, like these national polls that show seven in 10 That's Americans right. want this. Uh, Maine is not Alabama. It, you know, Correct. Yeah. And it, so I think, you know, and look, we, as you pointed out, we, she was already going into a tough race. And I think this makes it that it increases the pressure on her. And certainly that is part of the strategy. But I'll tell you what is so frustrating. And it was so just blatantly um, illustrated by the Republican senators who came out when we were talking about the authorization for the use of military force around Iran. Constitution, the War Powers Act, these are our well, what about the Constitution when we're talking about the impeachment of a president? What about your roles and responsibilities to the American people? Instead of just toting the president's line, what a, why not say it is in all of our interests to have a process that the American people believe is as fair as it could be? Um, so I think for someone like a Collins, uh, for a handful of other members, that's a tough question for them. And of course, it, politically speaking, it is our job to raise the pressure on them uh, to have to do their jobs. Now, of course, 
what Senator Schumer is spending all that money on is hammering her for prescription drugs, not necessarily <laughs> on impeachment matters. Sure. But but it's interesting to me that she's using it as sort of a Chuck Schumer, you want to court my vote so that you can call John Bolton for a witness? Yeah. Uh, perhaps you should like <laughs> lay off for a little bit. <laughs> it, it, yeah. You know, look, I you know, who who none of us are privy to the true wheelings and dealings in the back alleys of Congress. However, sure, that's a fair point for her to make. But again, the what I mean, that's a great uh, statement that some very smart press person, no doubt, helped her come up with. But the point is, that doesn't change the fact that when it comes to impeachment, she has voters, people who she wants to vote for her, who have a very fair question of, why wouldn't you want to allow people to come? Why would you stop people from coming and testifying? That seems un-American. Now, Karen, uh, I want our listeners to know you've lived through a previous impeachment uh, and worked through in a previous impeachment when you worked in the Clinton White House. Um, Nancy Pelosi said next week she's going to name the House managers. How uh, just that strategist hat of yours, if you're advising Nancy Pelosi, how would you tell her who to pick and how to position. What What is it important to your party to put forward with those managers? You want the people who will present the clearest case, who can explain the information and the evidence in a way that for those who will watch it on television, they understand the story. Like one of the things I've heard in polling and focus groups is people say, I want to watch, but it's confusing. and It makes me feel dumb. So keeping it simple, I think, is really important while continuing to get the, the relevant facts forward and making the case for why we need more information. On the flip side of that, I'm curious your thoughts about whether Trump and the White House should have Republican members of Congress on the defense team. There's been talk about Jim Jordan or Mark Meadows joining and helping and potentially talking in the trial. How would that play both on both on both the Senate side and on the White House's side? Certainly, I think that would play to the benefit of Democrats and those of us who want to see this be as serious a process as possible. The dramatic flair that Jim Jordan brought to uh, the House proceedings as you as you both know so well, that is not the Senate. That is not the way the senators conduct themselves. That is not how they want to be perceived. And it doesn't seem that Mitch McConnell's all that. No, he in does that. not. And yeah. I have to believe it's not just Mitch McConnell who. And again, if you're Susan Collins, you don't want that either. But I don't know if you remember this or not. Back in the '90s, but uh, some House Democrats who were on the Judiciary Committee back then, I think, wanted to have a role in the Senate trial as well. They ended up not having a role, but there was a push that some Democrats from the House wanted to be able to make a case. I mean, look, when we got to that point, people felt very strongly about that, and it's, it, as they do now. And again, similarly, you know, Tom Daschle and Trent Lott, who were at that point the Senate leadership, the Democrat and Republican, felt very strongly that they, again, wanted to make this as clear a process, as straightforward a proceeding as possible. I think in part, you know, it it, uh, it should uh, help reflect the seriousness. I mean, as we've said, impeaching a president is very serious. And these charges, these matters are very serious. And while, sure, watching the House, some of the House proceedings was kind of fun and interesting, that's not, when it comes down to it, that is not, we need to take it very seriously. And I would just add to that. Uh, just because the result of this trial is pretty much a fait accompli and nobody anticipates that the president uh, is going to be removed from office doesn't make uh, the charges any less serious or uh, the handling of the trial any less serious of a matter. As you said, this is 
this is the stuff the Constitution was written about. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. And look, just a very quick last thought. It is absolutely the case that there are people who may not even be for impeachment who also are not for this president. So, you know, when we've been looking at these numbers, we have to remember it is still possible that people who are on the fence about how they feel about the president may learn something that makes them decide, you know what, we just can't take four more years of this person. So interesting. Karen Finney, Jeremy Herb, thank you both so much for joining me today on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Greatly appreciate uh, your insights. We'd like to thank our listeners as well for tuning in. Remember, we've got a new episode every weeknight, so please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. We'll see you next week. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.